Live from State Street in the heart of Chicago, you are listening to the new home of the Chicago Bears. Yeah! Yeah! ESPN Chicago. And this is Carmen and Yurko. Live from the old National Bank Studio. WMVP WSHE HD2 Chicago. A good Karma Brands radio station. Carmen and Yurko here on ESPN 1000, Tyler Rocky and Pat the Designer sitting in for the guys today. Happy New Year to everyone out there. Hope everyone was celebrating a nice Bears win and ringing in the new year last night. You want to join us, 312-332-3776. Don't forget you can take us on the go as well with the ESPN Chicago app. Download that app wherever you get your apps from. All right, let's get into more of this Justin Fields conversation that we've been having, Pat, because uh, we, we've we talked a little bit about the financials of everything yeah. that goes into this conversation here. And I think when you look at your potential draft prospects, too, it's probably coming down to two or three guys that you'd seriously be considering if you ha- if you're drafting a quarterback. First overall, it's Drake May, it's Caleb Williams, it's yeah. it's Jaden Daniels, um, who's worked his way into that conversation as well. Probably just May and Williams when it all comes down to it. But you do have the number one overall pick. That is all locked up and good to go now, thanks to the Jaguars beating the Panthers yesterday and David Tepper throwing, throwing uh, <laughs> some drinks at people yesterday, too, out of frustration. But the financial part of this is ultimately why I think you do have to move on from Justin Fields. It's when we've seen strides from Justin here down the stretch, but you do have to take all of it into account and I still think there's some holes in Justin's game like and I think a lot of it is the situational football. Yeah. And and it even happened in this game where he did play really well, one of the best starts of his career, but end of the first half, you had a cookie cutter four-minute drive, and you knew you were getting the ball in the second half, Yeah, right? Like, that is where we saw it all the time with the Patriots, right? They put teams away at halftime pretty much because you would go down, get seven or three, and then come out of the second half and get seven. And get seven. Usually seven yeah, coming usually out of the seven, half, right? Yes. Yeah, so right. You're, you're getting a 10-point swing in your favor nearly every single game. It's why you saw the Patriots, and they created that, uh, that way of thinking that you always defer if you win a coin toss. Yeah. And... I look at the Bears right now, and it's those situations like you only got three out of it. And I I need to start seeing more sevens and tens in those because we've seen a number of those situations come up so far this season. And I just I need to see more of those. And in the final two to four minutes of of the second halves as well, I just haven't seen that out of Justin Fields yet. No, I I agree. And again, I do think that there's I think I, I love talking to Bears fans who are very level headed about it, where you can enjoy watching Justin Fields' games, and you can also look at the flaws in his game. There are times he needs to let the ball go. Mm-hmm. There are times he's holding the football too long. There are times where sacks are on him, 110%. But I just feel like, I think it's, the, the Caleb Williams conversation is so interesting because Caleb Williams does that as well. <laughs> right? Are you bringing a little- in a guy to do the same thing that's three inches shorter and 15 pounds lighter? You know what I mean? Like That's, yeah, that's I- why Caleb Williams to me is such an interesting one where if you draft the quarterback number one overall, okay, we move on, we, we go get And again, Ryan Poles I trust. 
Mm-hmm. So I'm I'm rolling with it. Whatever decision you make, here we go. But are we drafting a guy where when I look at the uh, uh, weaknesses that these draft experts are putting together, and take that for what you will, uh, these mm-hmm. draft yeah. experts are putting together, right? Like if I take if I cover up the name Caleb Williams, mm-hmm. I could be saying the name Justin Fields. I, I look at it too as if you if you got a crystal ball that told you that Caleb Williams is just going to have Fields' career? I would not be asking about football things. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. I'd be asking, so how do I but get this Ryan billion Poles, dollars? <laughs> if Ryan Poles was given that crystal ball and, and, and was told that he's just going to be Justin Fields in the NFL, then I think you, you do still have to take him with yeah. that pick or, or that Drake May or whoever you, you're thinking about drafting is just going to be Justin Fields. Financially, it just makes sense. It's like... Ty goes to the runner in baseball. Ty goes to the draft prospect because they're just yeah. going to be they're just going to be a cheaper option for you here, and you hope that maybe the guy that you bring in can elevate the ceiling here. And Justin Fields, we thank you for your time. You you gave us a lot of fun moments, a lot of great splash plays, but there just wasn't the winning that we thought that we would be getting when he did come to Chicago. Yeah, and it's like you said, he's in a better situation now. I think the one thing that does. The one situation that I don't want to see the Bears do is because we got the report that Matty Rafloos could be returning as Chicago Mm -hmm. Bears head coach. Ian Rappaport talked about that, and he said he'd be surprised if they move off of Floos, right? Seeing that and then going to get another quarterback, are you going to pair that quarterback up with Luke Getze? Is that quarterback going to be Luke Getze's guy? Because then what happens if it doesn't work with Luke Getze? Are you then going to fire everybody and Mm -hmm. have another coach come in with a quarterback that he probably didn't want, with a quarterback that now he's going to be looking for his guy under center, right? Are you going to go get the offensive guy? Like that, you're going to redo what you did with Matt Nagy. You're going to redo what you Mm -hmm. did with John Fox. What you did with... uh, uh, I can't even, what was the, uh, Tressman, Mark Tressman, right? Mark yeah. Tressman. Mm-hmm. I always think Legos. Uh, <laughs> yeah, Legos, Star Wars, all yeah. that stuff. So, uh, like, I don't want that situation right. to happen again because, to me, that is why we're in this quarterback carousel. That is why we're in this coaching carousel because you keep marrying people together that never should have been married in the first place. You know who else has fallen into that trap as well, and it's been a disaster? Washington. Yes. Washington has not yeah. synced things up since 1990. Yeah. And there's a lack of playoff wins to show for it. Yeah. Like, that's the way you have to have the continuity of head coach, general manager, and quarterback. Because I think if you bring back Justin Fields, you got to bring everyone back at that point. Yeah. But if you're moving on from the quarterback, I think that's when you got to, all right, we're resetting everything now. We're resetting, getting rid of the head coach, getting rid of the coordinator, getting rid of the quarterback. Like, I think it's an all or nothing situation in both directions. It's just, it, it, and it's going to be weird. I think no matter what, right, you have to make the decision on your offensive coordinator first. Because if, if, if they feel like they're keeping a the head coach, fine. Flus is affecting the offense may, mainly based on how aggressive they are. But he's not affecting, like, he's not sitting there calling plays and mm-hmm. sending them in over there, right? right? So Flus can survive. But you need an offensive coordinator in here, whether it is Lou Getze, whether it is whoever you bring in, mm-hmm. Greg Roman, I've seen his name floated around yeah. there. I'd, I'd personally go get uh, uh, who's the OC at USC right now? Uh, um, well, Cliff Kingsbury. Oh yeah, yeah. I, yeah, I, yeah. I, I, I like him as an OC. I don't like mm-hmm. him as a as head, coach, head coach. You know what I mean, I like yeah. him as OC. I like his house too. I like nice house, man. <laughs> oh, He's man. doing well for himself. <laughs> Doing well for himself. I I just want the Bears to draft from his house. It's the only reason you go hire him. Exactly. Uh, But no, I just like, no matter who you get, you then have to go get 
that guy's quarterback. Because then you're marrying the OC with the quarterback that's coming in. Mm-hmm. Or you Knows go get a guy. and weaknesses. Yeah, or you go get a guy like a Greg Roman, I think is a great name to bring up because he he's done this with yeah. mobile quarterbacks multiple times now. You know, where's Jim Harbaugh going? He's probably going to follow him around, but we'll yeah. see. <laughs> and I think that's part of the, what you're looking at, too, with the head coach is, I know everyone wants to fire Eberflus, and if it were up to me, like I, I would like to move on from the coach as well, but I need to see what the options are. I don't think you just fire someone to fire someone. Yeah. I think you have to see what your options are out there. Like It doesn't look like it's going to be a very deep roster of these coaching candidates for this upcoming cycle. And you can say, well, well nobody thought that you'd be getting this with McDaniel and, and all that stuff, but we're starting to get into, all right, those guys now – not everyone's coaching tree is successful, yeah. right? Like, I mean, Bill Belichick, one of the greatest head coaches of all time, his coaching tree is awful. It is awful. And, and it's just like you Josh have... Josh McDaniels cannot coach. Right, right. It's like all these guys, and and you look at some of the big-time candidates, too, in this cycle, like some of the most appealing names are defensive guys. Can I throw a sneaky name in there that I have heard nobody bring For up? a head coach? For a head coach. And, I wonder if I have the same. I was thinking about it last night, and I've I'd maybe thought about it a little bit before that. But go, who is it? Alex Van Pelt. Don't know who that is. OC for uh, for Cleveland. What they've okay. done offensively in Cleveland with four different quarterbacks. Yeah, I mean that's just ridiculously think, impressive. Listen, Kevin Stefanski. <laughs> it, if he doesn't win coach of the year, man. No, like, I, I, it's it's literally amazing what they've done. They've got to the be second able to best record form. in the AFC. Now, having that defense helps. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> having that defense definitely helps. But I, I think that he's gonna be he's gonna be the sneaky name guy. unfortunately mm-hmm. I think Bienemy's probably gonna it's, be yeah. he's gonna be the uh, uh um like the guy that's always in the running for the a head coach. Never the the bride, bride. Yeah, right? like and and I think that that sucks. But there's something that there's a disconnect there. Uh, He's interviewed with over half the teams in the league. I don't think Mike Tomlin's leaving Pittsburgh. I don't I, in either. fact, the Russell Wilson situation, I think, literally just locked him down for staying there because I think that he's absolutely going to pair up with mm-hmm. Mike Tomlin. Like, I just, I, I see situations here where you, you kind of look at it and you're like, is Flutes the best case scenario? Like, yeah. I don't know. Now, here, here are a couple of the, of the defensive guys I've thought about Dan Quinn down in Dallas who has gone through this. He's been to a Super Bowl before. That's a name that's intriguing to me. But again, it's a defensive-minded head coach. And if you're trying to develop an offense, you're not going to have that continuity because if you do find success offensively, you can wave goodbye to your offensive Offensive coordinator. coordinator, On top of that, another name that I thought of after watching a little bit last night, and last night wasn't a good showcase for him and his team, but Brian Flores. Brian Flores was a guy who I think a lot of people were intrigued by after he got fired in Miami. He got yeah. fired in Miami after a solid season, too. Yeah. Um, and that was like a surprise Black Monday axe that came down. So Brian Flores, yeah. again, it's another defensive name out there. And, and didn't develop the quarterback. And it's not like yeah. he didn't develop the quarterback. Like Mike McDaniel showed up. The defense is still good. Mm-hmm. And Tua became the best quarterback in the NFL. Well, here, here's the thing with, with Tua is... Do you think they look at Tua right now as their Jared Goff? And I'm talking about Rams Jared Goff, where the situation presents itself. Yeah. You're okay moving on from Tua. 
I don't think so because I think that they've worked really well with Tua. And I think that the thing with Tua is, yes, there's weapons in place. Having Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle helps 110%. I'm not going to say that having those pieces doesn't make his life easier, but that's also what you're supposed to do for your quarterback. Mm -hmm. And I just think that Tua is one of those guys where as he, even with some of the pieces out there, you still see him be able to make plays. Now, this week, tougher week, wasn't able to Mm -hmm. get it done, but like, He's had times where he's missed Tyreek Hill or Jalen Waddle hasn't been out there, and he's still been able to go out there and make plays. And I think that's that's a re- like that's a quarterback you keep, right? Like even seeing Justin Fields last week without his or this week without his two top weapons or second and third weapon, I should say. But I look at it too, like does he cap sort of what you're ceiling? Like the Dolphins have the worst strength of victory in the AFC. Like, are you just a, a team that can go out there and beat the bad ones? Is that what you are with Tua right now? And, and and like Charlie Bevins, who's producing with us today, him and I have had this conversation. Yeah. We, we've kind of gone through all 32 teams in the NFL. And which teams, if they were in the Bears situation where you had the number one overall pick, but it wasn't from your own doing, it was because you went out and executed a trade, yeah. how many teams in the league would, would be drafting up. a quarterback this year? And that's, I think, it gets into the Justin Fields conversation. It, a lot of this isn't a Justin issue. It's just a football finances and and trying to best construct a roster issue. Yeah. Because we're seeing it right now in Kansas City. Well, and I think it's to your point where you said, right, like whoever the quarterback is coming in, it's kind of built for him a little bit, right? You still need a starting center. You still mm-hmm. – listen, Nate Davis, I don't know, he's doing cartwheels on that side. <laughs> I'm, I'm a little nervous about that. He has ups and downs, team. yeah. Uh, but and, and you still, to me, need a left tackle, but – for the most part, you kind of look at it and go, this is a much better situation for a quarterback to come to than what we left. Right. And the last two quarterbacks we've had came in in decimated situations yes. in Justin Fields and Mitch Trubisky. So very different for whoever the next guy would be. Yep. 312-332-3776. If you want to join us here, Tyler Rocky, Pat the Designer in with you for Carmen and Yurka. We'll hear from the head coach, Matt Eberflus, coming up at around 1.30 from Hallis Hall. Matt is in Streamwood. What's up, Matt? Hey, guys. Thanks for taking my phone calls, and happy holidays to both of you. May I ask you, when Pat, you just touched upon that, regarding the center position and Nate Davis right now. Justin Fields overcame yesterday. I counted it. At least Lucas, uh, Lucas Patrick probably had about 15 to 17 bad snaps for Justin the whole game, where Justin's jumping high again. Like, he's, yeah. like yeah. I said, once again, Pat, like I told you before, like he's long snapping the ball to him. I just don't understand from Matt Eberflus and Luke Getze, find yourself a center that can do the position. And when it's time for the shotgun, that can snap it to Justin in time because he's taking Justin off his mark. That's two seconds that Justin has to jump and then try to overcompensate. And then yesterday, Nate Davis probably had one of his worst games. He missed his assignment and got Justin crunched yeah. on that third down, in, I think it was third and six right yeah. before the half. Yeah. And then, once again, he did. He tripped some guy. I'm saying, once again, this offensive line – if you do bring in a young quarterback, they're going to have to overcompensate for all those people on the offensive line. You probably have two with Kevin Jenkins and maybe uh, Darnell you know, Wright. Yeah. Those. Yeah, you know, there's, there's a couple on this offensive line. Darnell Wright, yes, they're good. But I'm saying not all of them are sinking together. And there's something's going on with this offensive line, especially the center position, because it's every time that that center position, Lucas Patrick should be cut from the team today because right before that half, when we missed that field goal from Cairo Santos, he make a business decision. And if that, if whoever returned it for Atlanta Falcons did not get tripped up by his own player, 
they would have scored a touchdown, that game would have been a lot closer in, you know, going into the half. So I don't understand why Lucas Patrick is on this team because he doesn't do anything for this team, but actually makes it worse. Well, he's on it because yeah. we don't have a Thanks starting for calling, center. Matt. Appreciate Thank it. We got to call Matt. Up Matt there <laughs> yeah, on the Matt, offensive Matt's line. Matt's mad about the the starting center. I, I get him though, right? Like we've talked about this all yeah. year. They're, they're, even the play yesterday, right, where you're trying to sit there and run a uh, uh, a QB sneak to the left side. Little, little, you know, little simple play. Mm-hmm. Snap it to him. Justin maybe gets it. I think everyone's watching Justin, so let's stop doing those. But. Um, you know, he snaps it over Justin's head. Justin yeah. ends up fumbling the ball. They get back on it, but it's like, dude, like bad snap. And then you see Lucas Patrick come over, and he's like, my bad. That's on me. Yeah. Right? Like, that, that is something that is serious. And he talked about the lack of continuity on this offensive line. That comes from not having an a elite starting center or a – yeah. To me, I think serviceable. He's, he's 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 that's all he is. He's serviceable. He's I don't a, even know if he's ser- uh, well, Lucas Patrick. I don't know if he's serviceable. He's a depth like, piece, right? Yeah. Like he's a like I'm not gonna lie. I, I was excited when we when we put the mullet in there. Where's Dan Feeney? <laughs> Dan Feeney. Where's Dan Feeney? Let me get Here's a, what me I'll get a little say run with Feeney about the center. I think it's just gonna figure itself out, right? Like Lucas Patrick's contract is up after Sunday. Yeah, he's done. Yeah. He ain't coming back, yeah. I'd imagine. And Cody Whitehair will not get that job back. Right. <laughs> and you're going to go out, you're going to draft a guy. Or you're going to sign a guy, yeah. too. Like, you've got plenty of cap space as well to work with. Now, some of it's going to be delegated around. Like, you're going to have to pay Tevin Jenkins. You're going to have to pay uh, Jalen Johnson. So, yeah, you're going to have to pay some of these guys. But I think you can find a set. Like, that. I'm not worried about that as much because I think you find a guy. I am because the offensive linemen that have been set, like unless you find one in the draft, right? It, it, maybe right. there's some elite Go centers in the draft in the third round. that are yeah. that are you know you you like them in the second or third round, preferably third round. Um, that'd be great. But signing guy like the offensive linemen that have been signed around the league the last couple of years, it's like oh, I see why teams let you go, and that's usually the case, mm-hmm. right? Like if I'm willing to let an offensive lineman go, it probably means he's just okay. Well, it's, it also means they're not a tackle. Right, like guards, you'll see <laughs> sh- you'll see a, a, a shuffle around the league, but yeah, three one two three three two three seven seven six. You'll hear from the coach Matt Eberflus coming up around one thirty. We'll carry that here on your home for the Bears. Tyler Aki, Pat the Designer, in for Carmen Yurk. You're listening to Carmen and Yurko on ESPN One Thousand, Chicago's home for sports. You're listening to Carmen and Yurko. Follow the show on Twitter at Carmen DeFalco and at Yurko64. This is ESPN Chicago, Chicago's home for sports. Bears, as we enter the 2024 calendar year, head coach Matt Eberflus expected to meet the media shortly up at Hallis Hall. Tyler Rocky, Pat the designer, in with you. By the way, did you struggle in school? On, <laughs> yes. Well, <laughs> just, just general yes. Did you 100%. struggle in school when you had to write the, your name, date, and like whatever the, the class was, and the year changes? And all of a sudden, like, were you still putting twenty three for like a couple weeks? I left my I left my uh, my badge to get in here at home, and Charlie had to come down. I wrote twenty three on the paper really? today. <laughs> okay, like, so, you, so yeah, it's still a problem. In school, I'm still doing it. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, I always it always took me till about like. February or March till I had it down pat. Yeah, no, was, I, that's, that's, you changed the year. That's every so. year. Like even just like writing one one twenty four yeah. was just like, oh god. 
Well, for me, it's a little different. It's like I'm 30. Yeah, this is the third uh-huh. age 30 year. The knees are going. <laughs> yep. The back's hurting a little bit. I got to get back in shape. I'm not doing like New Year's resolutions. Mm-hmm. I'm just like, stop being fat. Like, that's my goal this <laughs> year. It. It's not a resolution. It's uh-huh. just like, maybe it's stop being fat. Yeah. yeah. It's a lifestyle. I'm living it. <laughs> yep. I will not go vegan. <laughs> yeah. We, we have, a, we have a, a threshold that yeah. we will meet here. 312-332-3776. You want to talk bears with us. Stuart is in Lincoln. What's going on, Stuart? Hey, how's it going, man? What's going on? Happy What's New happening? Year, guys. Happy New Year. Hey, man. Um, I'm with you guys on a completely reset. There's only one way. There's only two ways you can really do this. You got to get rid of everyone or you keep everyone. And the cap or, or the money that you're going to have to pay Justin and these guys, it cannot be the reason. All the Bears have ever done. Can't pay this guy. Can't pay that guy. Got to let him go. Get rid of this guy. Bring in somebody else. Pay these guys their money. Let's win some football games. That's all I got to say, man. Yeah, thanks for the call there, Stuart. Can, can I say something, too, about the, the situation as well? Like, there's a way if Justin Fields leaves that both teams or both parties win, win the split. Yeah. Right? Like, Justin can go on and have a great career in the NFL, and the Bears can draft a guy that has a great career with the Bears, right? Yes. Like. Both sides can win the split, and it may ultimately be what's best for everyone, too. I think that's the question, though. It's just like, do you feel, is the, is the, what is it, what's the saying? Is the demon you know better than the demon you don't, basically? I don't want to say it like that, but like, we know what Justin Fields is. We know the limitations that we we have with Justin Fields. I I think there's some people in the world that think that's who he is. That's who he's going to be the rest of his career. Like, he's never going to get better Mm -hmm. at anything football-wise. Like, he's not going to play in the NFL for the rest of his career. And then I I just, do you want to go get a rookie to bring into that situation? Now, like you said earlier, he's coming into a way better situation than what Justin Fields came into. Maybe it does work out for both sides. Maybe the Bears were able to get some more draft capital on top of that as well but it's also right are you putting your if you take caleb williams you're pairing him with dj moore do you still have issues with your next weapon do you still have issues with darnell mooney are you resigning darnell mooney do you still have issues on the offensive line do you still have issues right i think it's do you want to kind of take the chance now versus keep building everything else and i think that's the thing when you look at san francisco you look at uh uh, philly when you look at kansas city they built everything else and then they plopped the quarterback into it yeah like it was an afc championship game in in kansas or championship team in kansas city then you plopped uh caleb williams or you plopped pat mahomes in yeah Mm -hmm. and then won a super bowl right makes the difference right yeah and and Part of why you could just throw Mahomes in there was because he was on that rookie deal. Yes. And even you look at some of the other quarterbacks that have won, they've won because they've taken less money or have been on restructured deals. Like all, even Pat Mahomes now, like he's on, when you look at the rest of the league and the rest of the way that quarterbacks are paid, he's on a very team friendly deal right now, yeah. given what the state of the league is in terms of paying quarterbacks right now. So. A lot, a lot of all that going into the calculus as well. Matt Eberflus will meet the media shortly up at Hallis Hall. We'll carry that right here on your new home for the Chicago Bears, ESPN 1000. You're listening to Carmen and Yurko on Chicago's Home for Sports, ESPN Chicago. Working from home? We're back in the office. Don't miss a minute of Carmen and Yurko. Just ask your smart speaker to play ESPN 1000.
Affairs with you, Tyler Rocky and Pat the Designer, in for Carm and Yurk. We'll also be in for Waddle and Sylvie. We're here till 4 o'clock today. Kevbo wants to order a pizza. I'm not mad at it. Kevin is is prodding hard right now trying to get us to order a pizza. I didn't know uh, know who he was on Twitter, and then I saw the (laughs) random, like, hey, uh, we should order a pizza. Kevin's doing everything in his power to get a pizza without actually ordering the pizza. Without doing any of the work. I just want to eat it. You're just trying to finesse a pizza right now. I'm trying to. That's my New Year's resolution. Finesse Finesse more pizzas. More free pizza for me. (laughs) You can't go wrong there. We got to get a pizza spot. Yeah. 312-332. Three seven seven six. You want to join us here on Carmen Yurga? We're going to hear from Matt Eberflus in just a little bit as well. But first, Jim's in Wheaton. What's going on, Jim? Zip. Guys, uh, I don't understand what is going on. This dude is one of the most electrifying players I've ever seen in the NFL. You you can't deny that some of the plays yesterday. There's like maybe one other player who could have uh, done what he did yesterday, as far as like getting out of. Uh, Tight spots. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you've you got, like, you, this dude is, you're, you're uh, you can't undersell the fact that DJ Moore is the best receiver he's had, and DJ Moore is one of my favorite players. He, like, does not give up. That guy is awesome. Mm-hmm. He's also shorter than I am, and I'm six foot. Like, he's 5'11", okay? Uh, Darnell Mooney is, like, 5'4". You, you, this guy has, has had... <laughs> I don't know about that. Had, <laughs> he dropped him off a lot I, there. I, 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 I am, I am uh, obviously being sarcastic. Being facetious, but, yes, 100%. I, I'm being facetious. But, dude, Cole Komet, great trade end. Keep him. But he has had no receiver over six foot in, in, in his entire career with the, with the Bears. So you, you, like, you give him weapons... Like, like you can't like say, oh, oh so you know. Uh, uh, like, I'm not mistaken. Like, no, Didn't no, he have Allen like, Robinson here? Hold, hold on, hold on, hold on. Like, uh, like you, you give him weapons to throw to who are over six foot. Uh, Caleb Williams, by the way, is under six foot, and I'm sick. He's of six the one. Draft dude, like that. That's what they list him as. These, these measurements like are getting a little all over the place yeah, here. Like, uh, he, it, dude, he's five eleven. Yeah, have you measured <laughs> him? <laughs> like, he, he's five. He's, he's five why? Why are you he so confident? He he's five eleven. He can't see. He uh, guys, hold on. He can't see over the line. You don't. You don't. You, Jim, you, you don't, called you us. Not... Hold on. I, hold I, on, I, Pat. <laughs> Go ahead, Jim. We're playing. We're playing. Around. We're playing around. Go ahead, Jim. All right, he is more Johnny Manziel than he is Drew Brees. We are not drafting uh, Cade McNown or Rex Grossman again. He can't see over the line. You keep Justin Fields, you take the number one draft pick, and you trust in polls and build around him because generational quarterbacks, this whole conversation with generational quarterbacks, Aaron Rodgers, generational quarterback, uh, Drew Brees, generational quarterback. How many Super Bowls do they have? One. You build around him. You like it, it, by the time, and you guys already brought this up about an hour ago. You, by the time Caleb Williams, if you brought him in, he, and he happens to be good, which by the way, he seems like he's a locker room cancer. Why? Wait, why got, do you say that though, Jim? Because of the players who uh, play with him. Have, have, the, what, what have do you the players mean? called him out? Uh, just like last week, yeah. Okay, can I tell you something about those comments that were made last week, Jim? First of all, one of them was on defense. That was alluding to the defensive coordinator in all likelihood. The other from Miller Moss, from the people that I've talked to that covered USC, that's about Malachi Nelson, who transferred out. All I'm saying is that by the time you get Caleb Williams up to speed, 
the defense is going to be uh, in decline. Just like when we had Jay Cutler come in and like the offense finally had like you know some sort of viability, and Brian Urlacher's defense was yeah. in decline. So you're, you're like you can't have this like you know uh, teeter totter. Like you have to strike now. And Justin Fields, he's not a Hall of Fame quarterback, but he is definitely serviceable. You saw, um, uh, oh God, what was his name uh, from uh, the uh, the Browns? Um, Deshaun Watson, uh, Joe Flacco. No, 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 no. Flacco, who won with uh, with the Ravens. Mm-hmm. He, you can win with Justin Fields if you if you reset then you were resetting three years and you were going to be just doing this teeter totter of like purgatory of, yeah. uh, of the NFL. Um, and the bears are never going to win. I, you, I will like, say Justin Fields to... Justin Field is one of the most electrifying players I've ever seen in my life. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like, 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 yeah. Like, half your offensive coordinator, like, like our, my final point, I, I know I've been rambling here, uh, but like remember when Mike Martz like sent uh, Greg Olson packing, because he said he he was like, oh, we don't have like a, a spot in our uh, our Alphonse for uh, for a tight end for a tight end oh, that could pass uh-huh. cash, yeah. So 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 you don't have a spot in your in your offense for a Pro Bowl tight end. Well, maybe your offense sucks, you know. And it yeah. did. So, so, no, so, thanks a lot, yeah, so Jim, for, appreciate, appreciate you, man. We got a bounce. Appreciate yeah, you. Um, I, there was a lot there. Yeah, <laughs> there was a lot, a lot there. A lot guys. of meat on that bone there. But what I will say is this, and I, I Jim did make one point that I I do agree with. You do have to think about how long is the life of this defense going to last. Yeah. I like Montez Sweat. I Actually, I love Montez Sweat. Mm-hmm. I love the defensive pieces that we're building up here. But let's be real. Defenses usually have a, a three, four-year yeah. shelf life, mm-hmm. right? Like this is going – you're going to have to reset. You're going to have to go find new young pieces. Why? This is a physical game. Guys get beat mm-hmm. up. Sweat's looking great right now. What happens if he takes a, it takes a shot that puts him down a couple of weeks? How's he going to come back from that? Right? Like that's, that's why defenses last so short because – Guys are getting beat up every single right. play on the field. So you do have to take that into account when you're talking about moving forward. But I think still, right, even with that with Justin Fields, has Justin Fields shown you enough as a passer? Has Justin Fields shown you enough as a guy that can throw the football down the field? Yeah. All right, let's head on up to Hallis Hall. Matt Eberflus meeting the media today. I didn't tell me that till the end of the season. Okay. All right. So uh, good to get the win yesterday, uh, as stated. Five and zero in a row. Five and zero at home. There. Five in a row at home. And uh, excellent. Uh, w- w- you know, just my tip my uh, tip my cap to the to the fans. You know, the fans have just been out- outstanding and amazing all year. And just want to say thank you to them and then happy New Year to the fans um, uh, from here, us at the Bears. So, uh, you know, the what I really want to talk about is uh, you know this week's schedule. You know, for us, it's going to be the, the same as last week. It was good for us. I thought the guys came out fresh uh, for the game. So we'll be uh, um, Wednesday, we'll be first and second down. And uh, we'll have the uh, half and half practice like we had last week, both days. So on Wednesday and Thursday, half uh, individual work on the fundamentals and half uh, walkthrough. And that was good for us. Former staff said it was really good for us in terms of the numbers. And we like where our guys are uh, going into this week. Um, I don't have anything injury updates for you right now. Uh, we'll get those to you on Wednesday. Guys are coming in periodically uh, during the course of the day, uh, it being New Year's Day. So uh, we'll have a full update for you for you guys on Wednesday in, in terms of that. Um, 
Yeah, so the game yesterday, I thought it was good, like I said yesterday, uh, good good complimentary football uh, during the whole whole group. I really believe that uh, our guys are coming together, you know, uh, at the end here, which is really cool to see. We're playing our best football uh, in December, um, you know, leading into January, which I think is important for our future. And uh, the guys are continuing to have their uh, eyes forward and being locked in for this particular week, um, which is the Packers week uh, to fin- finish off the season. So with that, open up the questions. And what what'd you guys like about DJ working out of the slot? Obviously, he's done it a, a bunch yeah. for you, but it seemed like you guys that was a concerted effort yesterday again. Yeah, it's a, it's always good to move your 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 players around, you know, uh, in formation. I think Luke has done a really good job of that. Um, he really can operate anywhere. Um, he's just that kind of a guy. Um, you know, what I recognize watching the tape how strong he is. You know, uh, his contact balance is unbelievable, and and what you recognize from that tape is his ability to track the football. I mean, you see some of those catches over the shoulder. We all rewatched them. I mean, it's just pretty amazing, um, you know, how you can track that football, especially in the snow. You know, I had a hard time seeing. You know, I had my game plan up. The snow's coming down. I could barely see the field. And I'm not sure how he tracked the ball uh, during that, you know, weather. But man, it's, it's something else. And he's a special guy. Matt, when you went back and watched the tape from Justin Fields' performance, what really impressed you the most from what he was able to do? Yeah, I mean, some of the wild plays, of course. Uh, the one he evaded the, the sack on the third down from three guys, uh, that was pretty cool. Um, you know, how he got out of that, I'm not sure. It's like, you know, like, they, like I think uh, DJ said, Houdini. Um, but uh, that was pretty cool. Um, he continues to throw the ball down the field with accuracy, um, which is really cool. Um, and he's done that, you know, throughout his whole career. Uh, we're just taking more shots now, I, I believe. You know, I, well, I know, and uh, it's it's good to see. And it's it's too bad that uh, you know Scott couldn't come down with that one catch. You know, I think it was a really good play. Um, and I thought he had his, he thought he tracked it well. And I think as contact was made, I just think that had knocked has knocked his other arm off of there um, from the safety there. But uh, really good throw on that one too. Um, so yeah, I would say those things. You said yesterday, I forget your exact phrasing of it, but with the pat the production from Justin as far as passing yards rushing yards, the total production, that it was what you're looking for from him. Have you seen that game enough from him, that performance enough from him over the last two years that you are expecting that, or does he still need to show you that he can do that consistently? Yeah, I would say the consistency piece, you know, just continuing to do it, you know, let's stack another game just like that, you know, where you have that, the running and the passing, you know, the accuracy, you know, the uh, uh, you know the touchdowns, the, the no turnovers, you know, and, and just the consistency of that is really what it is. And that's, let's stack two like that, and that, that, that'll be a good start. You also have had, when you came in, I know you reviewed his rookie year tape. You looked through his 2021 season. Now you've had him for two years, practices, games, OTAs, everything. Has Justin done enough to convince you that he's the franchise quarterback? Yeah, like I said, we're just going to look at uh, his performances right now. Um, and we'll talk about all those big picture questions after the season, um, you know, with Ryan and myself, and, and we'll see where it goes from there. But we love w- where his progress is. Um, he's been more consistent. Uh, we like what he's done the last six games, uh, you know, in terms of the turnovers, the sacks, uh, touchdowns, taking care of the football, uh, throwing the ball down the field. So those are all positive things. And, again, we'll assess that as we get going here in the near future. Future. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Gets he's taking a lot of heat uh, outside the building anyway uh, for some of the offensive issues. How much credit does he deserve for that? You know, thirty-seven point production against a good Atlanta defense. And and it, can you point to anything where he put? Obviously, the quarterback gets the credit where he put 
Fields in a good position to, to make plays. How, well, how much credit do you – where does Luke get the credit for, for what he did? If there's, if there's yeah, a, a, yeah, I would say that uh, when you're a play caller, um, you know, on the offense, defense, or, you know, in, in any franchise, I would just say that, you know, you're like a, the quarterback, right? You get you get a lot of credit when things go well, and you get a lot of blame when things don't go well. And, and again, when plays work, you know, they're good calls, right? And when they don't, the, the coordinator gets, you know, gets, you know, the criticism. And I've had that my a lot of my career, and, you know, certainly Luke's uh, had that share, you know, share of his this year too. Um, but uh, to me, it's part of the part of the job. And uh, to me, uh, you always point back to the players. You know, when it works well, you know, the guys uh, executed the plan well and the play well that you called, and it's really a credit to them, focusing on the execution. And when it doesn't go well, guess what? You, as a coordinator, you have to have big shoulders and say, you know what, i got to do a better job. And uh, Luke has done that. Um, I've done that. And uh, if you're a good coordinator, that's what you do. What I'm wondering, is there a facet to the game yesterday where it is more on Luke than on – Fields where, where it shows that that Luke gets he's doing a good job. Yeah, I mean, there's you know the, obviously the big chunk plays that we had yesterday. Those are those are really good designs, right? Those are good plays putting our our players in position, right? The players that make the big plays. You know, DJ's one of those guys, and uh, you know, and you got to be able to put those guys in position. You know, you got to be able to you know have some checks and adjustments based on the coverages to get into the right play. And some of those are just run it plays. And uh, again, those are plays that that work well. And that is a credit to Luke. Is Luke's, is Luke's position secure for next year, or is that up for evaluation as well? Yeah, um, just like I said, um, any question like that, I'm going to answer it the same way. And uh, it's it's just going to be till next week. You know, we'll look at everything, all-encompassing, uh, players, coaches, everybody. You know, we'll, we'll sit down and have evaluations, you know, with, with everybody, and, and we'll do that next week. To Mark's point about Luke, though, the game plan, Yesterday, you guys are without Darnell. Cole's obviously limited. For him to come up with a game plan that gets DJ all the targets he did, a lot of them wide open, what does that tell you about his growth as a play caller and a game planner? Yeah, it's getting better, right? You know, it's it's uh, certainly was really good yesterday. And, uh, you know, I thought guys stepped up. You know, guys stepped up. Uh, like Bobby stepped up really well, did a nice job. And, uh, you know, the players really stepped up well, too. You know, and, uh, and again, it was, it was a well-called game as well. Matt, that uh, unique formation we saw before the field goal, if Atlanta doesn't call a timeout, is that a fade to Cairo? <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's what you had up your sleeve. You've been waiting for that one. I've been waiting that, that many weeks, Jason. Yeah, that's what it was. That's what it was. No, I would, I would say that I'm not going to comment on that particular formation, but, uh, yes, uh, Cairo was out there for sure. Were you pleased with the results of that situation? Um, yeah, there could be a lot of different things that you could be pleased with there for sure. You talked about the fans earlier. Did you hear the "We Want Fields" chance towards the end of the game, and what did you just make of the? I, I heard. I heard afterward that, that you know, I see my girls. They said they, they they he was saying that I did not hear it during the game. What do you make of that though? Just support that Fields gets from the fans. I think it's great. I, th- I think it's good. You know, I think it's awesome. You know that our, our fans are passionate and they they voice their opinion. That's the way the Chicago fans are, and we appreciate that. And. uh yeah, it, it was cool. It's cool to see. Yep. Man, with the defensive play calling, that was not something you intended to do mm-hmm. coming into the season or coming into this job, but it has gone well during the time where you've been calling the defense. Has it changed your mind at all about how you would want to operate going forward? Yeah, that's a good question, and uh, we're going to evaluate that afterward. Um, I'm certainly comfortable in that position doing that. Um, I enjoy it. 
Um, I have passion for it. Um, but, uh, again, we'll evaluate that and see what's best for the franchise. I mean, the, the, the Packers game is just one game out of 17. But the way it's scheduled, I mean, coming against a team you played at the very beginning of the season seems like a good measurement. You're playing the Packers, a team that has to always going to be really motivated. You're playing at Lambeau Field. What do you think that will say about with the way things have gone in the last five, six weeks? What do you think that will say about your team? How defining will it be as in a, in a, you know, a big moment uh, to kind of finish off the season? Yeah, uh, Mark, I think it's really about what you said last. It's about finishing, right? And it's going to be about us. You know, it's about it's about our, us, the Chicago Bears, you know, going up to play our rival um, in the last week of the season. And uh, to me, that's what it's about. And our guys are, are excited about it, and we, we are up for the challenge. And uh, it's, it's going to be a good week. And, uh, you know, it's going to come down to execution. And, uh, yeah, our guys are super pumped about it. Will you play up the knocking the Packers out of the playoffs aspect of it? That's I'm going to keep it about us. I really will. I always do. I'm just going to keep it about us, about our execution, the men in that locker room playing together, playing for each other, the brotherhood we have, and about us us playing with the right passion and emotion that it takes to win a football game. Are you guys playing everybody? Everyone that's healthy will play. This will be like a normal game. even Normal though. game for us. Yes, sir. Matt, for you, for, you, for, for you personally, given the way this season started, 0-4, the coaching staff issues, now you guys are playing your best football. What's it been like for you personally as you look back on, on this season? Yeah, you know, uh, I think it was the production crew uh, from uh, CBS that asked me a question like that, and I'll, I'll answer it the same way. You know, you get into coaching for one reason, right, and uh, and you have passion for coaching really for one reason, if you're, if you're a good coach, in my opinion, is that you want to see the joy in your player's face after victory, and that's what brings the most joy to you as a coach. And that's what I see, you know, in that locker room afterward. And that's, that's why I do it. And that's why our coaches do it. You know, we love teaching and we love seeing our players like that. Yep. All right. That's Matt Eberflus live from Hallis Hall. We'll react to that when we come back here. Tyler Rocky, Pat the Designer, in for Carmen Yurk on ESPN 1000. You're listening to Carmen and Yurko on ESPN Chicago, Chicago's home for sports. Zoning out on that Zoom meeting? Zoom, 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 Zoom. Find out what Carmen and Yurko were talking about. Tell your smart speaker to play ESPN 1000. of the Rose Bowl and the rest of the college football playoffs starting at 4 o'clock. Tyler Rocky, Pat the Designer, in for Carmen Yurko today. We'll transition into Waddle and Sylvie coming up at 2 and talk more Bears with you, including stuff about the head coach because there were some interesting reports over the weekend. You just heard the head coach with us on the, your home for the Chicago Bears, his press conference up at Hallis Hall. Some interesting things. We'll get into all that, though, when we come back here. Tyler Rocky and Pat the Designer in for Carmen Yurko. You're listening to Carmen and Yurko on ESPN Chicago, Chicago's home for sports.